Well, my name is Ben Olvera. My name is Matt Smith. And we are creating a tennis podcast. This is our first episode. Um, the name of the podcast is 1530. So I thought this was a pretty interesting name. There's a, a story behind it, as with all numbers. Um, so it's considered the most important point in tennis by uh, several different uh, players and broadcasters. It's more important. It's, it's the most important point besides uh, maybe the break point itself. But if you're at, picture yourself, you're at 1530. You right there are at a 33% chance to hold. If you, if, if we're using the model that you only have a 50% chance to hold your service scans, which for the ATP World Tour, we know it's going to be higher than that. But if you lose the next point, you're going to be down at 1540 facing two break points. Your chances of holding go down all the way down to 13%. Um, however, if you come back and you're able to win that next point and make it to 30 all, you go back up to that 50% mark. So as you can see, that 1530 is a pretty pretty crucial point. I actually played a, a tennis tournament this weekend, um, just a, an amateur one in a, in a county league. And I remember being at 1530 several different times. And so it was interesting to how that played into my thinking on the, on a, how important that point really is. Uh, but Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about the French Open and, and some of the statistics behind that? Yeah. Um, so kind of like Ben noticed, mentioned, we're hoping to bring statistics to the tennis world. Uh, it's made its way into a lot of the other sports, major sports, NFL, and especially baseball is using a lot. And I know there are a lot of movies and things that have come out talking about Moneyball and things like that that have shown the importance of statistics in, in the sporting world. And so we feel like tennis could benefit from the the same same thing. So that's our hope here. With the French Open, I think it's important to know if you're listening to this podcast, I'm a big Rafa Nadal fan. Ben's a big Federer fan. That'll probably pay into our, <laughs> our discussion. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, I, I was happy to see Rafa's performance. Um, I know there, there have been a couple articles that I talked about his, um, the number of second serve points that he's won. And uh, that's kind of the idea of what we're what we want to talk about. We want to dive into these these seemingly at, at first they seem small, but um, actually very important um, points and statistics. And so Nadal showed uh, a little bit of that uh, in his win at the French Open. I mean, he was unstoppable in all aspects of his game, but especially that he was winning. Uh, what was it, more than 50%, close to 50%, uh, which was much higher than everybody else's and uh, certainly played a role in, in his dominance. Definitely. And you could definitely see that throughout the tournament that he had no trouble with this on his second serve points. But others, like you're saying, it was close to 50%. So he he did amazing. Um, but now we're shifting away from the, from the dirt and we're going over to the grass court where Roger Federer has done pretty well. Um, the past couple of years, though, he did have a minor hiccup in the Holloway final against uh, Borna Koric, who is one of those young guns that we're going to probably talk about, especially the turning, you know, changing of the guard. A lot of these new, young, exciting players, Verev, Kyrgios, Koric team. Um, so hopefully we can do more episodes upon them and, and why they're starting to be a, be a force in the game and the numbers behind that. But Federer, it was an interesting final. I didn't watch it, but I saw some of the statistics of it. It was one of those matches where Federer actually won eight points more than uh, than Korich, but still lost the match. And we know that that does that does happen when you have some lopsided sets. Um, it can work out that way. But the numbers were even more interesting. So in the final, his first serve percentage was seventy one percent. 
So I went ahead and looked at ultimatestennisstatistics.com, and they showed that over the course of his career on grass, that was 5% higher than his career average on grass. So that's pretty interesting. He was serving really well. Usually when he's serving really well on the first serve, it's he's pretty tough to break. He also won 87% of those first serve points, and that's 8% higher than his career average on grass. So again, still, he's getting a lot of first serves in. He's winning a lot of those points, but he still lost the match. So it was interesting. So the key was again in the second serve. Um, so he won only 42% of second serve points. And that's 70%. Yeah, I know. And that was 17% below his career average on grass, which is, that's a, that's a pretty big swing on the number. That's not just a statistically small number. Um, this opened himself up to, of course, more break points. Um, and on those, and on those break points, he only saved 33%. And his career average on grass is 38% saving. So a little bit higher. Um, so he he basically poured uh, he served poorly on the second serve and maybe part of that's credit to Korich. You know he was being aggressive on that second serve return. Um, maybe he was just be able to being able to read that serve a little bit better. But then Fed also on the flip side wasn't able to serve those those break points or save those break points. Excuse me. Um, so it's just interesting. Then on the return side, he was his his return numbers were almost identical to his career average in returning Korich's second serve. But again, was break points. He converted only 25%, and his career average is 16% better than that on grass. So again, he uh, he was second serve. He wasn't winning a lot of points. He couldn't save those break points. And then on the other end, he just wasn't converting. And even though he had some set points um, in the first set, when that goes away, grass court tennis can kind of kind of run away from you quickly there if you if you miss those conversions. So what well, what I'm what I'm taking away here is that. Based on the statistics um, and Fed serving as well as he did for serve wise, I think this was a little bit, a little, little bit of an anomaly. Uh, I don't think there's any need to fear if you are a Federer fan like me, uh, but just we'll, we'll watch for Fed serving throughout the grass court season. As we know, serving is key in Wimbledon. It really is. That'll be interesting to, to see how this Wimbledon uh, tournament plays out. Tennis is a funny game in that way and that these – Points that you need are split up in between games, and so you can have really good games, but all it takes is is one break. It takes one game, and so right. you have to be you have to have that second serve to balance out. That's interesting. Definitely. And we and we've seen some big servers go deep in the past. You know, we saw Query. He was pretty close to a final last year in Wimbledon. Chilich made the final right. last year. Um, Janowitz back in 2013, he made the semifinals against Murray and was a four setter. So these big, these big tall guys that serve well, they can go far. So we'll be watching for those guys throughout the tournament. Another guy that we just got to ask a question on what's wrong. Stan Wawrinka. Uh, mm. It's just been very, very telling to watch what, what he's been able to do this year. He's not winning very many matches uh, this year in 2018. He's only won 39% of his matches. It's been weird to see him. Some injuries are a play into that, but others just, he just doesn't look himself. And so we wanted to dive into the numbers there. Um, one number that was interesting was or one thing that was interesting is his service numbers are almost identical. They're within a percent of each other for his first serve in, which we know he's not the, the best at getting his first serve in, but his second serve is very good. And first and second serve points one, pretty much identical to his 2018 on all surfaces to his career on all surfaces. But it's interesting. He's saving 5% fewer break points. So even though his service numbers are there, it just maybe, maybe mentally, he's just not quite saving those break points. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, he's even acing 2% more in 2018. That might be uh, st statistically uh, insignificant. 
but the return game is really where it's where it's where it's telling. This is where he's struggling. He's winning five percent fewer first serve returns, six percent fewer second serve returns, and he's winning thirteen percent fewer break points than he has over his whole career. Um, so as a result, he's winning nine percent fewer service games. And like you mentioned, Matt, I, you know some of these games it can be be the difference in a set, a game or two, a break um, there. So nine percent service few. 9% fewer service games won. That's a pretty big stat right there. So again, his matches won 64% on the career for matches won. This year, it's only 39%. Uh, so, so what do you think about Stan? What Do you think this is a, an anomaly or what do you think is going to happen I, with him? We'll see. I think, I think he's in his head too much. I think injuries have set him back and he's just not playing at 100%. So obviously the numbers are there. He's not winning because he's not playing the way he used to. He's not 100%. So yeah. I think when he gets a little more comfortable back on the court and gets out there a little bit more, I think he'll be able to establish himself a little bit more. But yeah, he's got a little ways to go before that happens. So. Yeah, I agree. Especially just getting comfortable getting into these rallies on the return game. His serve's always mm -hmm. been pretty good. But yeah, I agree. Hopefully he can get more comfortable and mentally be ready to uh, return these serves and convert the break points because really it seems like the break points are also an issue. Right. So yeah, so we hope, I guess these are a couple of good examples of things that we want to break down. Um, like Matt mentioned, tennis statistics are not super robust right now. Um, we do have the break points and some of these classic things to look at, but hopefully we go along, we can find better tools um, to, to analyze the sport of tennis because it really is such a fun sport to dive into. It's just one individual against another uh, as far as singles goes. Um, so it's, it's super, just super interesting. Um, I want to talk about a couple a couple interesting stats that are coming out that are more futuristic. One is the ATP stat. They've only started tracking a couple years. Is the under pressure rating, and it's tracked on the ATP website. Um, it's a, pleasure, a player's under pressure rating is calculated. They add the percentage of break points converted, and the ones that are saved, and the percentage of tie breaks won, which I thought was interesting. And on grass, we know that's pretty important. Is your tie breaks? You're going to get a lot more of those. And then also the percentage of this deciding sets one. So this year we have the rankings. I have the top three here. This is up through the end of the French Open. Uh, so, so who do you think you got right now, uh, Matt, for the top three under pressure players? Oh, I'm cheating. I'm looking at it. You're cheating. All right, that's fine. That's fine. I was just surprised <laughs> to see. So, so but. the number, so the number one, two, and three are uh, Federer. Um, last time I checked, it was Chung, and then number three was uh, Juan Martín del Potro, who's been a fun player to watch. I was surprised not to see Rafa on there. Um, to be honest, because yeah. he's so good at converting those break points, but he he gives away some easy games though, and so True. it actually doesn't surprise me that he's fallen. He's what seventh, so yeah, and then that's still still pretty dang good. But yeah, so interesting stat there as well. So hopefully we can track more of that and, and see what that means to tennis and how that can be predictive. Chung being number two, does that mean he's he's the new you know new player of the generation? The start of the year, it showed that, yes, making the semis of the Australian Open, but the tail end of the year, he's been more injured and not playing as well. So we'll see if that if there's something there. And Del Potro's, of course, rise again. I would love to see him make another run at Wimbledon. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be, it's been a while. But he had the longest semifinal, 2013, against Djokovic, and that was such a fun one to watch. So hopefully we're in for some great grass court tennis. Um, anything on Djokovic that uh, that's notable, I guess, Matt? Uh, as of moment, no. <laughs> we'll dive into Djokovic, I think, in a yeah future episodes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you have something to say, yeah, um, no, no, just again, just watching for for how he's doing. The French was weird, uh, having him kind of 
have chances to get back in that quarterfinal match, but just uh, ultimately choke it away. Um, but yeah, he uh, he lost to Chilich, even though he was up a set and had some right. chances. But yeah, you're right. I'm still just kind of waiting to see, is it more mental, is it more physical? And if he's going to make it to the to the top of the game again, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and that's the truth. I think he's in the same boat as Stan right now in that um, there's a lot outside of the court going on. They've got a get outside their heads and and play. And, and Djokovic is much farther along, I think, in that process than Stan is for sure. Yeah. Um, his French Open appearance was fairly decent considering uh, what the coaching staff changes that he's gone through as well. And so. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for our introductory uh, podcast for 1530. We're trying to bring you the story behind the numbers in the ATP World Tour. Um, again, we have some exciting episodes coming up. We'll be covering more of the grass court and Wimbledon tournament, as well as talking about some of these young guns coming up in the game, as well as, like you said, the uncertain future of Djokovic, um, Favrika, and even Federer Nadal to some extent as they as they age. But we're, we're happy to present you to this first broadcast, and we're excited. All right. Hope you listen to us again. Thanks for tuning in now. Thanks.